when it comes down to it, what I always talk to podcasters about is that podcast metrics are business metrics. The measure of the value of your show and your business is whether it's driving results for your business, whether it's putting money in your bank account, whether it's getting emails into your inbox, whether it's getting you sales calls, that's where the value of the podcast comes out of. And that's hard to figure out and it's unsatisfying, but in the end, those are the things that we wanna be paying attention to anyhow. The number one question I get about this podcast is, is it worth it? So today we're going behind the scenes of Break the Ceiling to talk about it. I'm Susan Bowles and you're listening to Break the Ceiling, the show where we break down unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost your profit and increase your operational capacity. Today is a pretty special day. It's episode 50 of this podcast and we're just right around the first anniversary of the show. So. I wanted to do something a little different and a little special to celebrate. And since we've been talking about investing in our businesses and trying to answer the question of whether or not an investment is a worthwhile one, I thought it would be fun to take you behind the scenes and talk through how and why I decided to invest in starting this podcast, how it all works behind the scenes, and a year into this thing, how I answer the question of, is it worth it? And to help me do that, I brought a friend. Tara McMullen is a small business strategist and she's the founder of What Works, which is a community for small business owners. You've probably heard me mention it a few times on the show. She's also the host of the What Works podcast and she's a co-founder of Yellow House Media, which is the company that helps produce this podcast. And I actually designed and planned the launch of Break the Ceiling inside a podcast mastermind that Tara and Sean, who's the other half of Yellow House, ran. So Tara is the one who ended up ultimately naming the show. She was the very first guest and she's been working with me behind the scenes to actually produce the show. So she seemed like the perfect person to bring back for such a special episode. And we are definitely going to be talking behind the scenes stuff today, but I also wanted to bring Tara's perspective on evaluating the investment of a podcast, any podcast, not just this one. She's been running her own podcast for years. She's closing in on episode 300, I think, for What Works, and she's behind the scenes of all kinds of other shows at Yellow House. So she can really talk about evaluating the effectiveness of podcasts just in general. But before we jump into the interview, let me give you a little bit of background on Break the Ceiling just generally. So the idea for the podcast came in about January of 2019, and my original plan was actually to launch in April of 2019. The reason I wanted to launch a podcast specifically versus some other media format was that I had really been struggling to get my ideas out when I was trying to write. And I hired copy coaches and lots of different people to help me become a better writer. And I did become a better writer, but it was always a real struggle for me. Every time I tried to kind of give energy to my voice, it came out in this really like filtered, stilted way when I was writing. And one of the things that I realized in my process was that I actually had to talk so I would speak into a text recorder. So it would take what I'm talking and translate it into text so that I could edit it and turn it into a blog post or an email. And I realized that if the medium in which I'm comfortable communicating is audio, 
podcast seemed like a really logical transition for that. So I decided to take this step into creating a podcast because ultimately I thought the medium might be a better match for how I like communicating. Now, my goal for the podcast when I started out was really to tie it into my business. I've never intended it to be the next Joe Rogan show. I really just wanted it to get me inside of the head of the right people for my business. The goal for the show has always to be a way in which I bring in new clients. So finding the right format, positioning, and strategy really needed to make sense. And that's the reason I ended up ultimately joining the podcast mastermind with Tara and Sean was to help me tie in the strategy for the show with what I wanted to accomplish in my business. One of the other kind of constructs of me creating the show was that I knew it was really important to be consistent. I wanted this to be the thing I was going all in on. It was gonna be the main marketing channel for my business. And I really wanted to make sure that I was set up to be able to consistently put out quality content. And for me, that meant, you know, I'm geeky, I'm gonna look at the behind the scenes, what is the actual workflow that's required for us to create content on a consistent basis. And for me, that meant I wanted a production company behind the scenes. I didn't really wanna spend the time learning how to do audio editing. I really wanted to put out a quality product and me learning how to edit audio. One, I wasn't gonna be good at it to begin with. And two, it just wasn't a good use of my time. At the time when I started this podcast, I was still working full-time. I was running ScaleSpark full-time and I knew there's just so many steps in producing an episode that I didn't wanna have to worry about the actual audio editing. I wanted to focus on the creative part, the conceptual part. I wanted to talk to people. That was the stuff I was really excited about. So I decided to start with a production company. Uh, it wasn't Yellow House when it started because Yellow House didn't actually exist when I launched the podcast. But as soon as Yellow House kind of came into existence, I switched to them and we've been with Yellow House for most of that year, actually. And what they do behind the scenes is they help me with creative ideas. You know, when I am thinking about how I craft the show, I craft in themes which you, if you've listened to the show, you know. But sometimes, you know, I'm stuck on coming up a cool theme or when I'm trying to lay out the individual episodes in the theme, sometimes I'll get three episodes in and can't figure out what the fourth episode is. So Tara and Sean are there to help me bounce creative ideas off of. They help me make sure that the content is aligned with my strategy. It's aligned with what I'm doing in my business. So originally I was actually really concerned about the show because I was afraid I was gonna get too geeky. You know, you guys have heard me get really excited about software. I get really passionate about financial stuff and I wasn't really sure that anybody was gonna wanna listen to that. And what's been interesting is over the course of the year, the geekier I get, the better. So the more nitty gritty, the more in-depth episodes, the better. <laughs> Those are some of my highest performing episodes, which has been a real surprise to me. So as I was crafting the show, you know, I originally planned to launch it in April of 2019. But in April of 2019, I really wasn't clear on 
what I needed the show to do, what format was the right format. Did I want an interview show? Did I want to do solo episodes? How was I going to find guests? And how did I want to kind of format? It took from April to probably August of 2019 for me to actually figure out what Break the Ceiling was supposed to be. Um, and I was really struggling with the kind of creative concept because it's actually really hard to come up with a concept for something that you've never done. In September of 2019, we hit go. Originally, we did episodes every other week because I really wanted to make sure that I understood the workflow and I knew the time commitment. I didn't really know how long it was going to take me to produce each episode, even with a producer. And I felt like it was easier to speed things up than to slow things down. So we started with episodes every other week for September. And then in December of 2019 is when we started doing weekly episodes. And we've been doing weekly episodes ever since. So that's kind of the, the background on how Break the Ceiling came to be. And we'll, I'll jump in a little bit in the interview here, talking about specific parts of the behind the scenes. But right now, I really want to jump into the episode with Tara and start talking about evaluating podcasts in general. Hey, Tara, thanks so much for being here today. I am super excited. Thanks for having me. Let's get to start off talking about the decision to invest in a podcast generally. So when you are talking to folks who are considering and trying to decide if a podcast is right for them and their business, what kinds of things do you advise folks to think about? Yeah, a lot of things. Um, and the first one is going to be pretty big picture. Um, and I believe is a filter, like the ultimate filter of whether you should even consider continue having the conversation, which is, do you love podcasts? <laughs> uh, I hear from so many business owners, uh, maybe not so much anymore, but I certainly was a year or two ago wanting to know if they should start a podcast, but who either have never listened to podcasts, don't listen to podcasts on a regular basis, or just aren't excited about podcasts. Maybe they listen to a couple here or there, but they're just not excited about it. I truly believe that to produce a great show, you need to be listening to podcasts on a regular basis and you need to be excited about them. It doesn't mean you have to listen to as many as I listen to, it doesn't mean it's the only kind of media that you consume, but I do think that you should have a love of audio content. So, you know, I would also put maybe audiobooks or like public radio in that category as well, but I, I think there's something special, particularly about podcasts. Um, and I think that if you love podcasts, you have a much better idea of what the possibilities for your show are. And because you have an idea of what those possibilities are, you're just going to have much more creative execution, more thoughtful execution on it. And that's going to make your show more successful. Just kind of as a very generalized statement, I, I just truly believe that's true. So that's the first thing. Tara is 100% right here. There is so much work that goes into producing a single podcast episode. So I tend to spend somewhere between three and five hours on each 
episode of the podcast. That's deciding on the content and booking guests and making sure that I've got the right person slotted in for the right episode, crafting questions, doing the interview, crafting the intros and outros and editing the episodes for creative content. And that's not even counting all of the audio editing that happens on the Yellow House side. That's just my part of doing each episode is somewhere in the range of three to five hours. So it's got to be something that you really enjoy because it's such a commitment and there's so much effort that goes into each episode. The second thing is, what are you hoping the podcast accomplishes for your business? Um, uh, again, a lot of folks come to us thinking that a podcast is going to grow their audience. And that is true to an extent, or it can be true to an extent. Audience growth marketing goal is not where I put podcasting in the sort of overall marketing strategy of a business. If you want to have a show that's listened to by a large group of people or any kind of group of people, you need to have a group of people that you are presenting that show to. So podcasts are not so much for discovery, the way that YouTube is, the way that blog posts can be via search engine optimization, or even the way that some social media platforms allow for. So Instagram has uh, some really great discovery features to it. And if you work the Instagram platform uh, in the quote unquote right way, it's possible to get your posts, your stories, your videos in front of people who've never heard of you before, who then can become fans. And while certainly some folks will discover your show uh, that have never heard of you and will be excited about it, podcasts themselves do not have great discovery tools. So, right, you can go into Apple Podcasts, you can go into Overcast, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever app you use, and you can search for podcasts, or you can go to the category listings, or you can go to the top charts. Those things all suck <laughs> for finding <laughs> new shows, right? This is like the perennial podcast enthusiast's problem is that, that we get served the same shows over and over and over again because that's just what the podcast directories show us because they don't have any other way of surfacing new shows the way that, say, YouTube does, right? You watch one video on YouTube and then YouTube wants you to watch 15 other videos from different people on the same topic or on an adjacent topic. That's how audiences get built. So podcasting is not so much for building an audience as it is for nurturing an audience. So if you come to me and you say, uh, Tara, I've got a, I, got a big audience or I've got an audience of people and I want to connect with them more. I want to teach them things. I want to entertain them. I want to um, build a deeper relationship with them. Like, great time to invest in a podcast. That's a phenomenal idea. But if your number one marketing goal is growing your audience, there are better things you can do than invest in a podcast. Facebook ads, social media strategy, uh, search engine optimization, I would put those all before. And not in that order, by the way. I listed them in a weird order. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to clarify. Um, so I would put all of those things that first. 
And again, that's not to say that a podcast can't grow your audience or won't grow your audience. It absolutely will. But that's not its job. And so it's not a good reason to invest in one. Um, and then I think the third thing that I really want to know from people, and this is something that we really work with people on at Yellow House Media as well, is I want to know how this podcast fits into their business model. Um, so I find that a lot of people have a hole in their business model that they can actually fill with a podcast. And the reason I'll explain this a little bit more, and I'm sure it'll come up again later, because this is a really big part of how we do what we do at Yellow House. It's a big part of how I do what I do with my own show and my own uh, other company. Um, but uh, because podcasts require such an investment of time, I even though they are up marketing for your business, they are also a product that your business creates uh, and offers. Um, we are asking a huge investment of people. You know, I put out, um, what, two and a half, three hours of content every month, you know, 45 minutes every single week for people to consume. This month, we're putting out even more than that. That's a lot, that's a lot you know the people who listen to our show week in and week out without fail that's more than a lot of our paying customers consume me up you know paid media that we create um so that investment means that it's a it is a product level uh type of asset that you are creating type of media that you are creating and so I want to know, where do you see this podcast fitting into your business model? How does it relate to the products or services that you actually sell? And then I want to figure out how do I see how it fits into your business model? Because uh, I have a, you know, obviously it's I It's always have, different. Yes. It's a little, always a little different. <laughs> I have, a, I have a very uh, strong opinion on that most of the time. Um, and I think it's really important. And so uh, a lot of times we have folks coming to us where they know that there is a gap, right? They know that they could be reaching different people. They could be reaching the same people in a different way. They could be providing something that would help create an engine under the rest of their business. Like that's a good reason to invest in a podcast too. Um, and really thinking through the strategy behind that and how it fits in with the rest of the model is going to make sure that that your show is effective for you so those maybe aren't the only things that i think about when i'm thinking about whether this is a strong investment for someone to make but those are three of the absolute biggest ones yeah so let's dig in a little bit more on the tying your podcast to your business and your business goals and your business model because when i was working through figuring out what break the ceiling was you know i decided i guess in the in december of 2018 that i wanted to launch a podcast in 2019 but that was as far as i had gotten and originally i had intended it to launch in April of 2019. Mm. And when we started working together, this was the piece that took me so long to just kind of get my head wrapped around and figure out how to craft the show around what I wanted to, what I wanted my business to do and how that relationship needs to work together. And that was really one of the, the hardest things for me was just envisioning that first bit so can you talk a little bit more about those relationships and how that needs to work together yeah so um if 
folks are familiar with like the concept of the business model canvas, um, there's a couple of different pieces of that that I would use um, too specifically that I kind of use to think through where does this fit in the rest of the business model. Um, one is value proposition or the, or the job to be done. Um, and then the other one is relationship. And so value proposition for a podcast is huge because, again, because of the investment, um, you know, we don't think about the TV shows that we watch as having a value proposition or the radio that we listen to as having a value proposition. Um, but there is one there, right? And it's to entertain. And it's very simple and like we the expectation is there and also like just the barrier to entry is so easy. It's gotten a little harder now with um, ironically with all of the streaming services where you have to kind of know what you're looking for as opposed to being presented with things. Um, but with podcasting, it is very much like you need to be able to know what you're looking for and then identify when you found it. Um, and so value proposition is a way of talking about not only sh what the show is about, which is important, um, but also how it relates to the rest of the products or services that you sell. So you know that the other Susan, in your case, the other services that you sell are have a particular value proposition to them. And this is kind of the conversation that we had, right? It's like, what are you actually helping people do? Or what's the um, what's the end goal that you have for people who work with you in these different ways? And this is where the whole break the ceiling idea came from, right? It's like all of the work that you do helps people get past those um, ceilings that we hit in terms of operational capacity and in a service-based business where you can't work any harder to make any more money because you're working as hard as you can you are full up your time is out there's just no more you can cram into the rest of the day so how are you going to break through that all right cool so that's our value proposition is that you create in this case you're creating content or providing access to content that helps people break through that operational capacity uh ceiling so that they can make more money or save more time or you know make it make life easier for themselves that's your value proposition not only for the services that you sell but now it's the value proposition for the podcast and the closer that we can align those those value propositions the easier it is to use the podcast to sell your product or service so while on the podcast side, you are providing access, you are creating sort of informational guides, and then and that's the part of the value proposition that's specific to the podcast. And in your services, you're working with people directly, you're speaking to their uh, money needs, you're speaking to their sort of mindset needs, their operational needs, um, and you're providing education and uh, coaching and guidance with the services. That's what's specific to the services. But the end result of both of those things is the same. And so if you can hook people on the value proposition of the podcast and get them really invested in this idea of breaking through that operational capacity ceiling to get them making more money, living an easier life, having more time, well, then it's just a hop, skip and a jump to hiring you, right? That's amazing. <laughs> so that that's what that is what we're always looking to accomplish with a podcast. 
it's not always that clear cut and that's totally fine. So I don't want anyone thinking, you know, if, the, if this is something that they're interested or something that they're thinking about for their business, it's not always exactly the same. It's it, it's in my business, it's exactly the same too. We, we look at uh, everything we offer through one value proposition. So whether it's the podcast or our community or our mastermind groups, the value proposition is almost identical for each of those things. It's just the sort of the specs and the structure of it that changes uh, different levels of service that change depending on what you buy or listen to from us. That's optimal, but it's not necessary. The whole idea is just making sure that the value proposition for your show lines up as closely as possible uh, or creates like a logical next step into the product or service that you sell. So that's the value proposition piece. The other piece is the relationship piece. Um, and this is, it's a business model question. It's a branding question. It's a uh, sort of delivery question. And it, it sort of, it may sound kind of fluffy, but to me, it's super duper important. You know, a podcast by its very nature creates an intimate relationship. There's actually, there's been studies done on how the fact that normally we listen to podcasts through earbuds, like someone's voice is literally being deposited onto our eardrums by the devices <laughs> we use to listen to these things, um, that we have this sort of heightened experience of intimacy while we're listening to a podcast. So I want to be really clear when I'm working with a podcaster, what kind of relationship they want to create through this show uh, so that they don't create a relationship that's going to hurt their business, right? And that mm. doesn't mean like a harmful relationship. It just means, you know, if you want to be seen as a coach, but instead you're seen as a teacher, those are two very different things. And they don't transfer well, right? Or if you want to be seen as an expert, but instead uh, people are kind of thinking, you, uh, thinking of you as a best friend, that doesn't that doesn't work. Um, that's not going to get people to where they need to be to feel like they can trust you to buy from you. So understanding what that relationship is that you're actually looking for from your show is really important. How do we figure that out? We go back to the rest of the business model. What is your relationship with your customers on the products or services that you sell? And how do we take that relationship and carry it through to the podcast? Again, it might not look exactly the same, but we want it to be as close as possible, or we want it, we almost want it to be sort of heightened or exaggerated so that when they're working with you, either at a distance or very closely, they have the feeling that the relationship they already have with you from the show, because that will happen, carries over directly into working with you in your product or service. Um, and that creates just a very natural tie from the show to buying from you. So those are two factors of how uh, the the podcast actually fits into the business model as opposed to just sort of being a random piece of marketing. Tara said something to me pretty early on when we were working together. And I was kind of struggling with trying to figure out what the value proposition of Break the Ceiling was supposed to be and how that was supposed to connect to actually working with me. She said, create it so that the next logical step is hiring you. And that has really stuck with me 
because it is a lens through which I can think about how to create themes. So a lot of the times the themes connect to things that I am actually doing in person in my business. We think about it when we're crafting ads or the calls to action on the show. How do we craft it so that the next logical step is hiring me? Not necessarily that there's not an inherent value in the podcast, because there is. You get to hear the kinds of conversations I have with clients. And that's really the one of the main goals of the podcast is for you to get, you get to hear what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. In general, I'm pretty unfiltered. But for me, trying to figure out how to make sure that I am continuing to tie the podcast to what's happening in my business, and sometimes Tara has to remind me about this, is just making it the next logical step. So like she was talking about, my value proposition of the podcast is that you hear ideas and creative solutions to help you bust through your operational capacity ceilings. That's the same thing that happens when we work together. Or if you do think like a CFO or we work together one-on-one, we're always going to be talking about those issues. The podcast can be a way for me to expose people doing really cool things operationally or with cool pricing models or business models and put it out there to help you combat your default decisions, combat your, uh, I should do this. Somebody told me I should do this. And to really promote you creatively thinking about the operations in your business. Now what? That's the question I hear from a lot of service-based business owners. Maybe you've been asking yourself, now what too? You've built your business from the ground up and your business works but maybe it's not growing. You keep bumping into a ceiling on how many clients you can take on and maybe how much money you can make. And maybe now you're even wondering if your business has staying power. You might be keenly aware of how small challenges could easily balloon into big problems as the market and the economy change. I help entrepreneurs decide how to take action so they can build more resilient business that's primed for growth. I combine strategic thinking with a background in business finance, data, and operations to see the patterns that have your business bumping against a growth ceiling. I'll show you exactly what you can do to break through and make more money, all while making sure the foundation under your business is strong. I have a few new client openings for my quarterly or monthly advisory packages. When you work with me, I'll examine your financial reports to spot opportunities. We'll talk about where you're feeling friction and discover ways you can reclaim your time and attention. We'll dig into how to scale your operations without sacrificing quality so you can increase your capacity and make more money. And each action you take will be informed by strategic financial insight and data-driven operational planning. The result? You'll feel wildly capable and in control. And you'll finally break through that ceiling. Ready to learn more about working with me as your business advisor? Go to scalespark.co slash advisor. So let's say we've decided to invest in a podcast mm -hmm. and now we want to try and figure out if our investment is going to pay off. So one of the questions I consistently get when I talk to either people considering podcasts or um, who are just generally curious is the question of whether or not it's 
quote unquote worth it. You know, yeah. you have this podcast. It's all of this work and effort and time and energy. And there's so much logistical stuff that goes into producing a good podcast. You know, they want to know, like, was the investment worth it? So that's the question I'm always getting. So how do you approach evaluating whether or not a podcast, either your own or a particular client's is worth it? I shrug my shoulders. No. Um, <laughs> this is the hardest question in podcasting. It is the one I have the least dissatisfying answer to. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just not very satisfying. So uh, how we evaluate marketing has changed so dramatically in the last 20 years. Previous to the internet and certainly previous to today's social advertising, pay-per-click advertising, marketing was measured very, very differently. We looked at reach, we looked at um, relationship, we looked at, uh, you know, can people recall the ads that they saw or, you know, can they sort of verbally attribute where the business came from or you know where their knowledge of you as a business came from and that has all completely shifted to where now the default is do you know the exact path they took on your website and how long it took them and what the final page was and which button they clicked on your sales page <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know those things then you are a bad business owner right like Yep. Uh, the way we measure marketing today is so detailed, so precise, and the bar has been raised so high on what actually constitutes attribution, where people come from, uh, what creates this, like what messaging creates the sale, what color the button should, like it's just ridiculous, all of the things that we have to measure, which is great, except like we pretend those metrics are all way more precise precise than they are. And there's, you know, just to acknowledge, there's tons of precision there. There's tons of really good data there. And also it's flawed. Uh, it's always going to be flawed. There's always going to be things that can't be measured. Podcasting is a thing that can't be measured except through uh, the same means that we that we use to measure broadcast media advertising or broadcast media sort of penetration through. Right. So I can get a number of downloads per episode or get a number, I can get sort of an approximated number of subscribers um, per episode or, you know, for the podcast as a whole. And that kind of constitutes my reach. Potentially I reached X many thousand or X many hundred or X many tens of listeners. Um, and that's great. Like, okay, now I have that number of reach. It doesn't really tell me anything about who they are whether they actually heard it or not, uh, how they engaged with the show, whether they listened for five seconds or five hours. I don't know any of that, but I have this sort of reach number. Um, and then every other number I have is simply a business metric that I can influence with the podcast. And so this is what I really look at when it comes to measuring the effectiveness of a show and saying, like, is it worth it? So, you know, that's sales. 
it's leads, it's subscribers, it's social media followers even, it's emails into my inbox, it's uh, reviews, it's ratings. Those are not all at all equal metrics, but uh, those are all of the things that I'm looking at to say, is this show worth it? And are there, you know, are there other things that I'm doing for marketing for my own business? Yes. Are there other things you're doing for marketing for your own business? Yes. Can I separate the podcast from those other things? No. <laughs> and so, like I said, this is a really unsatisfying answer because the truth is I can't actually measure whether it's worth it uh, in the same way I can measure did that Facebook ad convert? Did I rewrite that blog post in a way that's going to get the search engine's attention and now I can see that my traffic has gone up? I can't measure my podcast that way. But there are all sorts of other things that tell me whether the podcast is working. You know, when a new customer comes through and they said, I heard X podcast episode and then I heard the ad and I was like, oh my God, I need that. I know the podcast is working, right? Because if one person tells me that, there's 10 or 20 or 100 other people that that was their same experience. If I get, you know, a hot lead and they say I came from the podcast or I've been listening to the podcast for months and I finally just decided I, I, I got to take the next step with you, then I know the podcast is working. If I get a message from someone that says my friend recommended the show, I just started listening and I absolutely love it. This is what I've been looking for for years. I know the podcast is working, right? Because again, if one if there is one instance of that, there's 20 or a hundred or a thousand instances of that out there that I don't know about. That said, uh, so kind of leaving the unsatisfying answer behind, what I do really love to hear though, so putting more of the producer hat on rather than the podcaster hat, is when we've got someone's business like yours or some of our other podcasters uh, where their show is their main marketing channel and they are a service-based business that is selling a high ticket service or even a high ticket sort of like group kind of offer and they come back they write us an email they tell us on our next strategy session that i just booked a new client uh you know i got a, a pretty good idea of what that lifetime value is on that client and you know you say oh they and they came from the podcast well you know that might have paid for all of your podcasting investment, at least financially, if not time-wise, for the last six months, right? Or the last, even just the last three months. That tells me the podcast is worth it too. Because again, if one person actually tells you that, then the next two clients might have come from the podcast too and not tell you, right? <laughs> um, and so we can get better at asking about those things. We can get better at sort of documenting the anecdotal pieces of whether the show is worth it and measuring and evaluating it that way. Um, but when it comes down to it, what I always talk to podcasters about is that podcast metrics are business metrics and that it is full foolish and foolhardy to look at whatever metrics your podcast host spits out or whatever platforms you're using, whatever metrics they spit out 
as a measure of the value of your show. The measure of the value of your show in your business is whether it's driving results for your business, whether it's putting money in your bank account, whether it's getting emails uh, into your inbox, whether it's getting you sales calls. That's where the value of the podcast comes out of. And that's hard to figure out and it's unsatisfying. But in the end, those are the things that we want to be paying attention to anyhow. So while it's unsatisfying, it's also very promising in that it keeps us focused on metrics that matter as opposed to vanity metrics. For me, I break the ceiling. When I was evaluating making this investment, I set a few key metrics. I wanted to know my number one goal was for the show to bring me new clients. So I needed to figure out how to track whether or not I was getting new clients. So I decided to ask when you book a sales call with me, I ask you how you heard about me. And I was looking for people to say that they'd heard about me on my podcast, other people's podcasts. I wanted to figure out what was the podcast doing and was it actually bringing new clients? So that was really my biggest goal, big picture for the show. And one of the things that I knew going in was that I'd talk to other people who had service businesses who had a podcast and I asked them, you know, how long did you really have to invest in producing a podcast before you started to see some results? Like, what is the expectation that I should be setting here in terms of time frame? And mostly what I heard from those people was like six to six to 12 months is a good measure of how effective it's if it's working or not. And so for me, I set a kind of a benchmark that I was going to look in January of 2020. I was going to take kind of a, a read of what I'd seen in January of 2020. And then I was really going to actually go full speed into this podcast. I was going to go all in for a year. And at the year mark, I would evaluate what kinds of results have I seen from this investment. So January of 2020 was probably when I started seeing a glimmer of me not speaking into the void. I started to have conversations with people that were like, oh, yeah, I listened to the podcast or, hey, I heard that episode. I really liked it. You know, I started to get a little bit of realization that there were, in fact, people on the other end listening to the show. So that was my first like positive indicator of, hey, people are listening and they are liking the content. What I started to see around, I think it was about eight months in, is that's the point at which when people were booking sales calls, they started to mention the podcast. So it was still pretty, it was a pretty long time between starting the podcast and actually seeing some business results. But I knew that going in, I knew that the podcast was going to be a long game. It's like SEO or any other kind of long-term investment. So everything was kind of going according to schedule for me. And it was starting to produce some results. And really, that was my biggest metric in terms of measurement was, is it bringing me visibility? Is it bringing me new clients? And for me, it was. So you've been here at Break the Ceiling since the very beginning. You were the one who came up with the name for the show. You were the first guest and now your company, Yellow House, produces the show. Um, so you've been a really integral part of this journey for me. 
And you've also seen the evolution of your own show, What Works, over the last few years and how it's evolved and changed. Um, so now you're producing podcasts like Break the Ceiling and you're watching all the other shows that you produce evolve too. So how does your evaluation of the success of the shows you produce differ from your evaluation of the show where you are the creator so how does your role in the show kind of change how you view or evaluate the success of it yeah it's a great question i mean for me i personally as a as the podcaster and as the producer there are a lot of there's a lot of overlap in what makes for a successful podcast Right. Like, I want to know that I'm making money from my show and I want to know that you're making money from your show. <laughs> Bottom line, those things are exactly the same. Uh, and I get just as excited when you make a big sale or when Nancy makes a big sale or when um, Gillian makes a big sale, whoever. Um, I get just as excited from that as when someone says, oh, I just joined because of the podcast. Uh, to, you know, to me personally, and I, I can see that in my bank account. So that's that's the first thing. There's a lot of similarity. I think maybe where it starts to differ a little, although I feel this way about producing too, um, you know, part of what makes it the show successful for me is way more on the creative side of things. So on what works, I want to know that I'm creating the podcast that I can be extraordinarily proud of, right? I want to know that my skills as an interviewer are getting better and, and I'm becoming a more successful interviewer. I want to know that I'm booking really interesting guests and telling really interesting stories. And so, you know, the success of sort of that, um, yeah, the storytelling side and, and the sort of guest curation side. I want to I want to feel really positive about the success of that. Um, and then from the production side, too, I mean, for me, there's so much uh, creative potential in how our shows are put together. Even the simplest shows, I think, can have a really beautiful expression of creativity in the format, in the structure, just in, in how the thing plays itself out. It doesn't require tons of audio editing. It doesn't require tons of specialized skills, but just knowing where you want to take things, knowing what you want the show to sound like, and then working toward that vision little bit by little bit over time. I find that to be uh, an incredibly satisfying process. And so I want to feel like I'm having success in that area too. So, you know, obviously with my show, I do have more ownership over that because those decisions are all mine or they're made with my team and I get to have the final say. Um, <laughs> and so that creative success of it is definitely something I feel more with my show. But it's one of the reasons I wanted to get into production, too. Yes, I want to help people like you make more money with their podcasts. That's a huge piece of it. And also, I want to have some responsibility for putting even more fantastic, creative, high quality podcasts into the podcast ecosystem uh, because it's just not as hard as people think that it is. Well, it is, but in a different way than they think that it is. <laughs> 100 um, percent on that i'm like it's yeah. not easy but it's no it's not totally easy. different <laughs> yeah where you, you know, expect it <laughs> totally 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 it's like anyone can learn the skills but you know having the vision for what the show sounds like and feels like and you know the relationship piece that i talked about earlier to me that's the challenging piece but it's also where we can create so much 
creative success. Um, and so the show can have these metrics of value that are really tangible and quantitative, but it can also have this qualitative aspect to it um, that makes us feel really successful as creators. And um, media moguls and curators and storytellers um, and to me that's really exciting so to, that is it again it's it's sort of it's more of a similarity than a difference which is the question which is not how you ask the question but um it's certainly something i feel more ownership over with my own show but it's something that i share i think with our podcasters as well yeah, and I definitely, I, I love the ability when I am creating new themes or coming up with the episodes that are in the themes, it is so helpful to have somebody who also shares my vision for the show help me figure out how to make that a reality. Because sometimes there are definitely episodes where I'm like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, okay. here here's my kind of idea. I'm not really... I'm not really sure what this is supposed to be <laughs> and being able to have that conversation with somebody who is just as creatively invested in my show as I am makes I, I think helps me define my ideas and helps me tell my story better and it's stronger for having a team behind it. Yeah. Well, so that you told me I can ask you questions. And so now I'm putting my question asker <laughs> hat on. Um, I'm curious how you have, how your sort of creative approach has changed over your first 50 episodes um, and so sort of how, <laughs> like maybe how you, how do you sort of qualitatively measure that in, in your own mind? So it was really interesting for me and it's been very evolutionary, like over the course of the show, um, before Break the Ceiling, I really wasn't putting many of my ideas out into the world. Um, one of the things that was a real struggle for me at the beginning was getting used to the fact that like my ideas, I'm putting them out there. I'm having mm. them. I have to craft them into something that other people can then interpret and understand. And I think over the course of the last year or so, like really being able to step into that creativity and owning my own ideas has been so huge for me because it was you know the first couple of episodes it was so hard to just push play and say this is what i think what do, what do you guys think <laughs> um yeah. and now it feels like there's still an element of that but it's less so i'm focused more on the stories that I really want to put out there and the topics that I want to talk about then where at the beginning it was a lot of it was just wrapped up in my own stuff my own head uh -huh. stuff about saying things in the world yeah um, we'll talk about a measure of whether it's worth it or not <laughs> you know at least getting partially over a fear or a hesitation to put your own ideas out into the world that's huge I mean you could stop it 50 episodes, please don't. Um, you, you could stop at 50 <laughs> episodes and say, well, that's been a success. That was worth that investment because that's a skill that you can take 
anywhere, right? You take it into, um, you know, your CFO on demand program, you take it into your um, blog posts, you take it into social media, you take it into speaking gigs, you take it into networking events. That and I think that this is a pretty universal experience that people have as podcasters as well. Um, I was I was very comfortable putting my ideas out into the world before I started my podcast, but the experience of it has completely changed over the last five years. Um, and that has been a huge part of how I measure the success of the show as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, totally, completely worth it. I know it's not like, it's not, I know people love numbers and metrics, but I think these things are really important too. Yeah, and I definitely like, I feel like having the podcast actually gave me and helped me define what my voice is because I really didn't, I wasn't consistently writing before mm -hmm. that. I wasn't um, doing an email. I wasn't consistently putting a blog out. And so just the, my voice changed by virtue of literally speaking. Mm -hmm. um, and the framework for the show allows me to kind of structure my ideas um, by nature of having themes that have specific episodes and a specific like i guess story arc that i'm trying to tell the different parts and pieces of each theme allows me to test out my ideas um, and talk through that kind of thought process in a really um it just feels so much more natural to me than it ever did when I was trying to write those ideas out. And that was one of the reasons that I settled on a podcast was I kept trying to write a blog post or I kept trying to write an email. And every time I did it, I filtered myself to such a point that it just didn't ever sound like me. Mm -hmm. um, and so the podcast started as this thing that, you know, I had started talking to record, like, you know, voice to text for my blog post so that I could try and sound a little bit more like me when I was writing. And that kind of naturally evolved into, well, why don't, instead of trying to make my voice into writing, why don't I just make my voice my voice? And then I don't yeah. have to try and, then I'm naturally unfiltered. Love it, um, yes, absolutely. So I think that's probably one of the biggest ways that um, at least internally, my the show has really creative value for me personally as a business owner and just helps me it helps me clarify my ideas which i love yeah absolutely so is there anything you think we should talk about that we haven't talked about yet i think just to circle back to the difference between using your show to grow your audience and using your show to nurture your audience and build a more intimate relationship to your audience. I want to make that a little bit more concrete for people because um, I don't think I spoke about it this way when we were first talking about it. Anyhow, um, you know, I think what a lot of people think about when they think about using a podcast as part of their marketing is that their podcast is going to be the top of their sales funnel. People will find the show, they'll listen, then they'll get on their email list, and then from their email list, maybe they'll join a webinar, and then from the webinar, they'll buy, right? In my experience, that is not how things work. <laughs> Same and, here. <laughs> yeah, and I, there's literally no one I know who works this way, and we've got, We've got shows in our 
kind of the suite of shows that we produce, you know, some that are getting less than 100 downloads an episode, some that are getting thousands of downloads an episode. So I can see this for even different sizes of audience, different types of creators, different types of business models. Um, Every single one of our clients, their show falls much closer to the middle, if not closer to the bottom, like the very last step before purchasing of their of their sales funnel. Um, and so, like I said, r- much closer to the beginning uh, to, I think to be successful with the show, you have to have people to talk to <laughs> uh, in terms of an audience, people to share the show with. It doesn't have to be a lot of people. It could be 10 people, right? Like we've certainly launched shows with people who we've asked them to put together like a friends and family list essentially to launch their show too. But having even that idea of an audience first and then introducing them to the show is much more how the show, how kind of how that sales funnel piece works when it comes to a podcast. And this, my perspective on this has changed so much over the last five years, because that's what I thought too when I started podcasting. I didn't know how the show fit into my marketing strategy. I didn't know how the show fit into my business model. All I knew was that people were growing audiences with podcasts. Now, again, this was five years ago. This is a long time ago, and it felt like we were late to the party then. Um, Not that anyone is late to the party now. There is plenty of room for more podcasts. Um, (laughs) um, But at the beginning, I just thought, oh, I'll produce more media, more people will find me, this will grow my audience, I'll use it to build my email list, and then I'll sell people from there. And it did not work. It just did not work that way. I can't say that nobody followed that path. um, But that wasn't the pathway that that actually created sales, um, nor did it create my podcast audience either. The podcast audience came from my email list. And so if people are already on your email list that are listening to your show, they don't need to join your email list again. It means that they're in the (laughs) middle of the funnel. Um, So whether you think about funnels or ecosystems or buyer's journeys, um, I'm using sales funnel language, which is not my favorite just because it's pretty ubiquitous. Um, But however you want to think about it, the podcast and however you want to measure the success of your podcast, do not measure the success of your podcast from the top of your sales funnel. You want to measure the success of your podcast such as you can from the perspective of metrics that you are looking at at the middle to bottom of your sales funnel right before the purchase or even after the initial purchase before subsequent purchases. Um, So that I think is a really important piece of measuring the worthiness of the investment uh, when it comes to podcasting. And it's just so counter to how so many people come to podcast as marketing for their small business. Hmm. I think that's a good place to wrap up on. So where can our listeners find you if they want to connect or learn more about you or any of your companies? Yeah. So if you're interested in podcasting, the place to go is yellowhouse.media. We have a few articles there talking about the things that I'm I was talking about today, so you can dive more into that. Um, and then if you're interested in my show, uh, you can find What Works on your favorite podcast directory. Just search it up, it'll, as my daughter would say, and it'll be right there. Um, and then our website for What Works is explorewhatworks.com. Thanks so much, Tara. Thank you. 
for me, the payoff on the investment of this podcast has been kind of exponential. Yes, it brings me clients, which was my main goal, but it also has had some really surprising benefits to me. It allows me to build an intimate relationship with you, my listener. You are willing to have my voice literally in your head, and I am so honored by that. At the beginning of this whole pandemic thing back in April, I was getting really far behind in my podcast listening. And as I kind of started to catch up, I realized I missed those voices in my head. I missed listening to my regular shows because it felt like I had a friend talking directly into my head. And I value that relationship that I have, even if uh, maybe the host doesn't realize we have that relationship with some of my favorite podcast hosts. So thank you so much for allowing me to build that relationship with you. This podcast also allows me to build relationships with people who are guests. Having the podcast, having an interview show allows me to reach out to people that I would never have had an excuse to have a conversation with before and people that I wouldn't expect to respond to me absolutely have and have absolutely come on the show. And that part's really cool. It's also helped me develop my voice, my perspective, positions me as an expert. It gives me credibility because I've been here and you can actually go listen to me. Um, and it's also helped me get guest spots on other podcasts because other guests know that I know how to put out a quality podcast because I have one. One of my favorite benefits of this is that I get to use this content to help people. So if I'm in an online community and there's a question that I have an episode where we kind of talked about that, it's just there. Or somebody's looking for creative pricing ideas or creative business models and I can say, hey, I talked about that on this episode, go have a listen to it. The other kind of cool benefit is that with potential clients, when they ask about referrals or testimonials or talking to previous clients, I can say, absolutely, I can provide those. But if you want to just hear my perspective and how I think about things or you know, what my opinion is on stuff, just go listen to the podcast because you literally get to hear me talk about that. I'll also say that the consistency, the routine, the commitment to putting out this thing week after week has been amazing for me as a business owner. This is the biggest and longest running commitment I've ever made in any of my businesses. And the repercussions of that have kind of echoed throughout my business. This has become the kind of consistent foundational piece that always happens. It's a habit. I know that I am committed to putting out a new episode. And so it kind of just runs and becomes the backbone of my business and my workflow now. So there have been a ton of returns on this investment that are way outside of just the original goal of bringing in clients. A year in, this is probably my favorite investment I've ever made in my business, and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So thank you so much for listening and for trusting me to be one of those voices inside your head. Next week, I'm kicking off a little bit of a geeky theme, and we're going to be talking about how to use software and no-code tools to effectively scale your business. So make sure you hit record in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss it. Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode is edited by Marty Seafeld with production assistance by Kristen Rundbeck.